Today I spoke with four, no, no, no. It was three different people who struggled with suicide ideation, who've attempted suicide. One of them has a partner who lost a partner to suicide. And I'm activated. In yoga class today, uh, we did an exercise where we reflected on, uh, we, we just reflected and we sat in stillness. It was a restorative class. And one thing that I've recognized about myself is I don't do a very good job of resting, of pumping the brakes, of recovering, you know, even with my body. Like, I, I work out every day unless I'm super hungover, like today, or my body just hurts that much. Today... I juggle back and forth on whether or not rest is a necessity or a luxury. And maybe I'm just an exception to the rule, but I just don't feel like I can rest. You know, after today, um, I noticed that I've struggled with impatience. I'm a very impatient person. It's challenging for me to be still when there's always something that needs to be done. And today, uh, as I lied in my restorative class, I was definitely fighting falling asleep. (laughs) But coming out of those moments that I set aside for restoration, for recovery, for stillness, the thoughts were gone of my day, what was happening before, what was happening after, and then afterwards when we were asked to reflect, something came out of me. And what came out was this, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this, I don't have my journal by me, but just because you are used to something or you've become numb to it doesn't mean that the damage isn't still being done. So think about just because you lost the sensation in your left arm completely and you have mobility over it, you can control it, doesn't mean you can run through doors and not still experience the wear and tear of what would happen if you did have the sensation in your arm. The same rule doesn't only apply to the physical, it also applies to the mental, the emotional, the spiritual. Today, I recognize that one of my shadows is in fact impatience. And I made a very impulsive decision. I decided that I am going to do something about this suicide. Like, 
I, I don't know if I mentioned this on here, but my mom had threatened suicide when I was younger. My sister threatened suicide. I have an ex-girlfriend who made, um, she attempted to take her own life. And I have a very intense emotional response to these things. And today, while I was talking to the people um, about suicide, I recognized that I wasn't feeling activated. And I thought to myself, damn, am I just that used to this? Have I become so desensitized? Is it like so now disconnected from me that when someone mentioned suicide, I don't even budge. And when I talk about my impatience, I don't mean my impatience for people who want to take their lives. I I don't mean that. Um, I feel like that's how it could have been interpreted. How I mean this is the systems that are in place that almost just like don't notice this. Like I, I spoke to me, Courtney, a dude who hosts a podcast about herpes. I spoke with about four uh, different scenarios in a day, in the same day, probably within the same two hour window, four people. I'm not fixated on the number four. I'm not fixated on that four people talk to me about their suicide attempts or I, I heard about suicide in their lives. I'm fixated on how many people don't talk to me, who don't have anyone to talk to, who aren't talking, who don't even know how to put into words what it is that they're dealing with. And while my efforts, you know, are centered around sexuality, sex education, sex positivity, and uh, the advocacy for mental health resources to get integrated with STD prevention efforts, that's suicide prevention. That's what that is, a suicide prevention. And my shadow of impatience so that I can be more methodical and strategic and whatnot, like, ah, fuck that shit. I got to throw that out the window. For how many people there are on this planet? For how many people struggle with their mental health? For how many people struggle with not being here? Like, it, that eats at my soul much faster than not resting ever will. There is something that is radiating in me that feels compelled to serve this community of people who feel like they don't belong here, who feel like they have no place here, who don't believe that they deserve to exist, because of some stupid fucking virus, man. And even then, you know, the people that I speak with, once we talk for a while, which, again, not everyone has someone that they can talk to. Like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a mental health professional. And people are very afraid of touching the, the idea, the concept of suicide. 
not only, you know, at the expense of, well, maybe that person does kill themselves and then it's on your conscience. Okay, well, ignoring that person, dismissing them, sending them off to somewhere else, that's the same fucking thing. I don't have a cookie cutter approach for when people reach out to me and they talk about, you know, wanting to take their lives or not liking being here or having attempted to take their lives. There's no one way to go about it. Like, I don't give a fuck what textbooks say, what research says. These are fucking humans. These are people who need to be spoken to. These are people who are yearning to be heard. And systemically, people aren't heard. And there's just this cycle of feeling like no one's going to listen to me. And if they do, nothing's going to be done. And if I speak up, I'll just, it'll be dismissed. Like, I don't have the solution. I don't. I have something that can be put into a structure that perpetuates suicide ideation within it. If we look at the healthcare field, if we look at how we talk about sex, like nobody's going to make the connection between sex and suicide at that level on the surface. Nobody will. But when we talk about sex, we talk about health. When we talk about sex, we talk about pleasure. We talk about sexually transmitted infections on the extremes. There's either going to be pleasure or you're going to get a disease, right? That's those, those are the extremes when we talk about sex. And when we talk about health, we tend to talk about, um, oh, exercise and how you move, your nutrition, or you're deteriorating. Those extremes exclude very, very, very important aspects of health. Our emotional health, our mental health. Where is that? It's not on either extreme. It it transcends duality, essentially. When we talk about sexual health, we're talking about mental health. When we talk about sex, we're not just talking about pleasure or consequences. When we talk about health or mental health or whatever kind of health, we're talking about all aspects of it. And that includes suicide. These they, they transcend duality. We can't give it one thing that's like, oh, well, sex is dot, dot, dot. Suicide is dot, dot, dot. You know, I don't see anyone looking at these two things together because there's really no reason for you to unless you've been there. Unless you were, if you're sitting from where I'm sitting, you can't unsee those things. You can't see the connection of, yeah, suicide may be an extreme. But for so many people, like I did this survey, 30 something percent of people have thought about taking their lives. They thought about um, 
they've thought about following through with suicide after their herpes diagnosis. And shit, 2% from this 1,148 people survey, 2% of people tried to. Again, I don't fixate on the number of people who've told me this. I'm fixated on the possibility, the possible number of people who didn't have this opportunity to share that they were struggling, who didn't have this outlet for sharing, this outlet for venting, which is me in this instance. I don't have the answer. I have everything we need in order to cook that bitch up. For us to cook up a solution. Something that just minimizes it. I want to minimize not just STI cases, new infections. I, I don't care about that. I care about people's lives. I care about those people who spoke to me today. And how they're being impacted and how those around them are also being impacted, have been impacted. Those people who are no longer here because of suicide, because they weren't heard, because they didn't know that a resource specifically for them existed. And they just didn't have access to it. Or they just couldn't find it. Or stigma perhaps just kept someone from sharing it because the person who could share and help someone by giving, putting this resource out there didn't in fear of being associated or found out with that which is stigmatized. And it sucks, man. It really, really, really sucks. I get complimented all the time about how great work I'm doing. People tell me how amazing it is and how useful it is, how much it's helped them. Well, help someone else. Like, don't put it all on me. Don't make this about, you know, oh, Courtney's doing this great thing. Like, no. And Courtney's doing this great thing for STIs and people who have them know in the herpes community know something positive for positive people. It's always been an STD prevention or a suicide prevention resource. I'm sorry. Even if it just keeps someone here a little bit longer, even if it speaks to that person who's on the fence. And today, like, I, I was reminded that, again, you know, I get these subtle reminders from the universe. And it's like just a nudge. Like I said, my, my spirit is vibrant. It's radiant right now. Something needs to come out of this. There is something in me that needs to come out needs to be created, needs to materialize. And I've let my, oh my God, I'm so impatient. I need to work on my patience. I let that mindset, you know, stall me, keep me stuck, slow me down. How many people have I probably, have we probably lost to suicide because of my hesitance 
because of my unwillingness to pursue failure in the past. How often does someone struggle with this and, you know, the people around them not even know? I speak from a place of privilege to say that I've never thought about suicide as a privilege of mine. You know, and perhaps it's because I've become callous and numb to a lot of things that would trigger someone into that spiral of thought. Or maybe this is just a trauma response. My trauma response is to take action, do something. And that something may not be the right action. It may not be the most efficient action, but it's something. I don't want to live a life of regret. And regret to me looks like inaction. I never want to look back on my life and say, why didn't I do a thing? If I look back on any regrets that I have, it would be, dang, I should have done it this way. But that can only come if there's an action that's been taken. I prefer wrong action and I'll deal with the consequences of whatever harm I cause, knowing that I took action, than not taking action and know that harm still happened and no healing occurred. For anyone. And I identify as, you know, I gave myself the name H on my chest. Obviously, H in the beginning stood for herpes. It evolved into hype because I, I, I hype people up. Health for the state, uh, our awareness of our overall state of being so that we can give ourselves what we need in order to maintain that consistent status. It's for healing because that's what everyone's doing. We're all on this healing journey one way or another, consciously or unconsciously. We're aiming to heal one way or another. But more recently, H on my chest is stuff for hero. I like the idea of embodying that which all that it means to be a hero, being a leader, being someone who takes initiative, being even delusional to the idea of what success can even look like. You know, nobody else. I'll tell you a quick story. I've been going back and forth with uh, one of my board members and she's worked in recruiting uh, in the public health sector. And I've been very firm about I don't plan on being in the herpes advocacy space for long because I plan to put the tools out there and resources that in stigma people can take them or leave them but my intention is to end the stigma in a very short period of time and in doing so I'm putting myself out of a job I am asking for a $250,000 annual salary for however, you know, short of years it takes 
before the resources are where they need to be and future generations, when they get diagnosed, they're given the resources. That to me looks like the end of stigma. Everybody now, y'all know where the resources are. Uh, if you hear about it, I hope that you'll take initiative and you know utilize them. But I'm asking for an astronomically high amount of money for someone who runs a nonprofit, right? Well, I'm I'm not going to do this long. I look at the time that I put in and I look at the job responsibilities. I've created the job descriptions of everything that I do. Not only am I a podcast host, producer, and editor, uh, the social media marketing person, um, the, the social media manager is even a job, the executive director of the nonprofit, the marketing director of the nonprofit, the events coordinator for events that I do. I even teach yoga classes to support fundraising efforts. I am actively pursuing speaking engagements. I've been the PI, I forget what the acronym stands for, for a whole research study. I done became a graphic designer. I done learned how to make a website. I done learned how to edit audio. I done learned how to recruit and build community. These are seven different job descriptions. And she came back to me and she was like, well, Courtney, in Missouri, an executive director of a nonprofit makes between ninety dollars and $110,000 annually. Okay. I first off, you know, I, my visceral reaction to that was this is a global organization. It's global. You know, people, someone reached out to me today from the Virgin Islands, one of the people who um, were talking about their experience with suicide. You know, someone who's way on the other coast, someone who's an Indian guy who lives in, um, he, he said he was staying in uh, one of the Arab countries or cities. I forget which one. This is global. And second off, like there's actual progress being made. There's something here. There is something here. And I, I am, I've run out of patience. <laughs> I'm at the peak of my impatience. And after my yoga class today, reflecting on what was coming up, it's not impatience, it's initiative. That's what it is. It's initiative. And I'm taking this initiative for these people that I've spoken with, for those people I haven't spoken to. For those people who are no longer here, for those people who've lost a loved one to suicide, for that person who's struggling right now with that device, that tool that you plan on using to take your life, that person who's making a plan right now as we speak, who's writing out what it is that they plan to do. I see you. You know, some people may never hear this message. But it's out there. I'm out there. And if your gateway to finding something positive for positive people was through, you know, your diagnosis and you were someone who struggled with suicide. I see you. 
and I acknowledge you. And I'm doing everything I can in order to support those who future come, uh, those future organizations, uh, those future up and coming people who may find themselves at a crossroads of suicide ideation after a, a herpes diagnosis or an STI diagnosis, but for people to be able to just get these resources and make a different choice that you may not have even known that you have. That's where my efforts are going. I can't just keep posting screenshots, hoping people, uh, the right person sees it or somebody shares and then something positive gets funding, right? And then we go from there. I'm sidetracked. But the point of me, you know, bringing up the $250,000 annual salary is to just speak to this, how powerful it is. When we are so decisive on something and the intensity behind it is so charged that it's almost like it's it immediately comes to you. I'm clearly passionate about this. I clearly want to end the stigma of SCIs because with that comes along, you know, you end one, you know, minimize one avenue of suicide. And that's STI, sexual shame, sex, sexual shame being a reason that people want to kill themselves or shame around sex, period. So I asked for this astronomical amount of money and I justify it and I felt myself getting, you know, riled up. So I took a little bit of a break, stepped away from it. And um, I posted today a proposal uh, on my something positive for positive people, social media accounts, H on my chest on Instagram and uh, my personal Facebook, just calling out for this this project of integrating mental health resources and STD prevention efforts. It's as simple as that. And a few days ago, uh, someone I'd been in contact with, I interviewed them on a podcast. They emailed me that they got a grant approved. I didn't expect this. And the grant was approved for a project of doing something very similar. It's not the exact same thing to this project I'm presenting. Um, it's for 25 hours and it totals $3,125. You know what I did? I did the math on that to see what $125 an hour looks like in an annual salary. It comes out to $260,000 a year, not two fifty. Turns out I've been selling myself short. Now, with this initiative and with this, you know, me so powerfully speaking things into existence, fueled by this intensity radiating from my spirit and my body, it's here. I have in my perspective what I need in order for me to fulfill my purpose here. And I can't I can't get tired. I can't, you know, I, I'll i rest as needed. But like even I also had someone who missed uh, their therapist, missed their appointment today. <sighs> I do a lot. I recognize this, but I do a lot because I can do a lot. 
Granted, it's a trauma response, yes. But it's healing me just as it's healing the world. We healed through service. And that's what I am experiencing. I'm experiencing healing through my service to the rest of the world. And this project, this proposal, like I I am confidently speaking to the fact that, you know, STD prevention efforts are also suicide prevention efforts. They're identity validation. And what I have to offer in terms of just taking the people, taking a person, speaking to their life experiences and how they've been able to navigate them. I think that that's a really great way of demonstrating the people who may have a similar shared life experience or who may just see themselves in a parallel of a person's shared story. So that they can take that as a way of having choice, having choices. Uh, They say that people who think about suicide are really experiencing a loss of control. And with choice comes control. You have control over the choice that you make. So when people have options, they can make choices. And I'm choosing to, I'm choosing to do something different here. I'm choosing to take my risk. I'm choosing to intentionally pursue failure. To learn enough from it fast so that success can come a lot sooner. Because I want to create opportunities for people to have choices. Choices in their healing. Choices in how they recover. choice in whether or not they want to help and serve others. And again, you know, just that the the numbness for me. Just because I don't feel it doesn't mean that the damage isn't still being done. And for me, those three, four people today, those experiences that were shared with me, maybe they ate away at my soul a little bit or my emotions a little bit, or maybe they sparked me. Maybe that was the catalyst that I needed in order to make the necessary transition for things to go to the next level. I'm comfortable with that. Like this, a healing occurred for me. From perceiving myself as impatient to looking at myself as just someone with initiative. And I've been validated in that over these past several days now. It's going to happen. Mark my words. The integration of mental health resources and STD prevention efforts will be be a thing. It may not be called something positive for positive people. It may be something completely different, but I tell you what, you know, we're we're gonna lose less people. We're gonna minimize these cases of I, I don't 
care about the STIs, like I said. So if that's a secondary effect, yay, whatever. But those people who want to take their lives, who feel like they don't have a choice, I'm giving them choices. And someone's going to support me in making that happen. I'm going to link with the person, the organization who sees the value here, who understands, who gets it, who's going to cut that check for my $250,000 a year for however many years it takes, and my therapist who's going to work alongside me uh, supporting the people who come in, and we're going to create resources that allow for me to, you know, speak to clinics and travel to organizations and be like, hey, here's what you need to do. This is STD prevention. This, uh, this is, I keep saying STD. The, this is suicide prevention. And people just don't see it that way. So we got to end stigma for that reason. And today, like, I just, I, I felt very compelled to just speak to this. And this is me processing for real. That reflection that I did, I had a little bit of journaling on. But, man, I evolved today. I healed today. I'm not impatient. I'm taking initiative. That's what I am. And this is just another piece of me that I'm rolling up into my identity. I'm calling it. I'm calling it here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Self. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast episode. Um, or whatever, or not, whatever. This is just nice for me to come process. But I, I think that this is one that's worth sharing and speaking to a little bit more in detail. So uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna post this and um, market it a little bit compared to how I've been doing it, which hasn't been at all. But this was nice for me to be able to get out here, and I hope that um, I inspire choice and offer people a sense of control over their lives as a result of putting this podcast episode out. Thank you.